Um, I want to start by posing a question to you. Very simply, a one-word question. Why? Why? Why do we devote the time? I mean, pretty much we're giving a month to this. Why do we give all of this energy, you know, for six-month planning and all the phone calls and, you know, all the expenses that are involved in it? Just to hear about what God is doing in Japan or doing in the Dominican Republic or doing in our local communities in, in Springfield. Why do we go off from here and later on in this year we're going to be challenging ourselves with the faith promise, the very means by which we support our missionaries? Why make that sacrifice? I mean, it's a call for us to step out in faith, to give over and above our, our tithes and our offerings, to give something special to, uh, to missions and to be part of what God is doing. Why do that? Why make the sacrifices? Well, I think we can all agree that life in the church, life in the ministry can become very diverse. There's so many things that we can have our hands in, and it becomes somewhat complex. Um, we're involved in all sorts of endeavors. You know, we have worship, and we have outreach, and we have our children's ministries, and our teens' ministries, and nursery, and children's church, and ministry to our seniors, and, you know, then there's, uh, you know, coming alongside to, to help feed the poor. We, we, we try to help uh, parents in raising their, their children in, in godliness and in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And on and on and on the list goes of, of how diverse the church ministry is. And all of those things are wonderful things. All of those things are needful things. But I think we can, we can all attest to sometimes our priorities can get skewed in what God has called us to do. Yeah, there's that term, the tail wagging the dog. You know, and, and, and sometimes church ministry can become like that. Well, folks, we do Missions Month because it calls us to engage in the main thing of our faith. It calls us back to engage in the main thing of our faith. Yes, during the Missions Month, you know, we remember how God is working all over the world. We're reminded of that. Um, but we're also given an invitation to be part of it. To not just, you know, say, oh, okay, that's cool what God is doing, but there's an invitation for, for me to be the hands and feet of Christ. And that also a reminder to ourselves of what the main thing is in our own Christian life and what we're to be about. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Um, we're going to go to a, uh, our text in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'd like you to turn there if you haven't already. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read from verse 18 uh, to the end of the chapter. And when you get there, I invite you to stand together with me in reverence to the word of God as it is read. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 through 21. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. 
He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You may be seated. Okay, folks, let's take a stab at what the one word is in this text that we've read that this is all about. What is, what is this about? Reconciliation. That is right. Reconciliation. That word reconcile or reconciliation, it is used five times in this short text. And it is an important Christian truth to us. And, and, and you know, to put it in layman terms, very simply it means that man and God come together. That man and God come together. And it encompasses the very soul of what our Christian faith is about. Because we have all been born, everyone here, I was born separated from God. I was born with a sin nature and a, a perfect, a holy God has no place for sin in his presence. So we are born separated from God. And we have a need to be brought together, to be united back to God, to be reconciled with him. And we are in the church, we are as individuals, we are involved in the ministry of reconciliation. That's what we do. That's the main thing that we do as Christians. Everything else that we do, let's be honest, everything else that we do will be done better in heaven. Won't it? Our worship in heaven. Huh, we're going to all be able to sing. We're all going to be able to maybe play an instrument. Uh, and if we can't now, we have all eternity to learn at plenty of time. And worship is going to be pure when we get to heaven. You know, the, um, our, our, our ability to, to express ourselves to God, you know, our fellowship with one another, it's not going to be tainted with sin. Our own lives, the, the purity of our lives, are going to be pure in heaven. You know, the, 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 our power to understand is going to be so much greater and, and come together with God. I mean, if you think about it, the only reason we are here today, that God keeps us here today, Christians, is the ministry of reconciliation. That's the one thing that isn't going to happen in heaven. They're not going to be the unsaved in heaven. They're not going to be sinners in heaven. So the ministry of reconciliation isn't going to take place. If it is going to happen, if that person at work or that person in your family or that neighbor next to you has that opportunity to be reconciled to God, it's going to happen here, and it's going to happen now. And that is the answer to why we take the time, why we take the energy, why we take the resources to focus on missions for a whole month. Because we need to challenge ourselves, and we need to recommit ourselves to the mission that God has given us. I mean, the Bible makes it very, very clear that all people are sinners. We are by nature sinners, and certainly by looking at our actions, we are sinners. And because of this, we are alienated from God. You know, and, and sin prevents us from having that fellowship with God. I thought about this this week, I was thinking, you know, the most deadly virus in the world is not COVID-19. The most deadly virus in the world is not HIV. It's not H1N1. 
No, the most deadly virus is SIN. It is the sin virus. And it has infected everyone. We are all born with it. We are all born literally dead in our sins. Sin kills everything it touches. It taints everything it touches. You know, not just in this life, but in eternity as well. Sin doesn't just affect us physically, but it affects us spiritually. And today, if, if, if someone discovered the cure for COVID-19, they'd be shouting it from the rooftops. It'd be on all the news channels everywhere. And here we are as Christians. We know the cure for the sin problem, the greatest problem plaguing mankind today. We know that the answer is Jesus Christ. We know that the only way that, that the, the sin that permeates our lives, the only way that it can be removed is through Jesus Christ paying my penalty for my sin on the cross, dying for my sins, and my coming to him and opening his heart and accepting him as my Lord and my Savior, my Redeemer. That's the only way that that can happen. We have the answer. We have the answer. Are we shouting it from the rooftops? Are we committing our life to it? This ministry that God has given us to make a difference? in the spiritual healing of people's lives? That is the truth that we divide our lives to, reaching out to friends and neighbors, you know, the outreaches that we do in the church. We train and we equip one another in this task. We pray and we support others who, who go out to places that we can't reach so that the gospel can be taken there. We do all of this because of the great ministry of reconciliation. That ministry that you and I have been given. God himself has provided a way for us to be cured. For us to be reconciled to him. And that's the good news. Now, that's the gospel. You know, that each of us know and each of us we learn from a child. You know, what the good news is. And that's why we train each other. And that's why we, we send those to go into the world. This is the great commission of the church. This is my job. This is your job. We are ambassadors, it says, for Jesus Christ. Concerning this message of reconciliation. How a person can have their sins forgiven and can be brought together with their God. Well, in a few moments, we are going to turn our hearts towards uh, the communion supper. And it's going to be a time of us to remember. A time to remember what God the Father did for us through his son, Jesus Christ. To reconcile us to himself, to bring us together. Communion is a, a time of examination, we're told. To examine where my Christian walk is. You know, to get it back lined up, you know. To, to where it needs to be, to, to, to have a quietness as we look at Christ's life and all that he did to redeem me and to hold my life up next to it and, 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 and let God speak to us as we examine ourselves before him. It's a time of examination and it's also a time of celebration. To celebrate what Christ has done, to celebrate our freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, to celebrate that hope that is ours, you know, in eternity. 
Well, in a way of reminding ourselves, in a way of challenging ourselves, and kind of recommitting to this glorious truth that we're going to be celebrating in just a moment here, I want to focus on this reconciliation for just a few moments here. Our text gives us two precious truths that I'm going to emphasize. There may be more here, but there are two that God has brought to my mind that I think are important for us to remember. Let's talk about reconciliation here for a second. First thing I want you to know about reconciliation that God wants you to know is that guess what? Reconciliation is God's idea. Reconciliation is by the will of God. It's not something that the church has come up with. It's not something that, you know, the, the, the founding fathers or the early apostles got together and, and said, you know, let's, let's make this the foundation of the church. No, reconciliation is by God's will. Verse 18, it says, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Verse 19, Namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. This is God's initiative. You are saved. If you are a Christian here today, you are saved because God loves you and cared for you. And God made the first step towards you. God did what was necessary through his son, Jesus Christ, for your sins to be forgiven, for my sins to be forgiven, so that I can be in his presence. And this is all, this is what God wants this. You know, this isn't just, well, this is something we want and we're trying to figure out a way we can get ourselves to God. No, this is something that God wants. And we start at that point, that God is by nature a reconciling God. God is by nature a reconciling God. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is his desire. This is his great desire. This is his plan. This is, this is his initiative. Now again, we, we read these verses and we kind of read them in our context of our culture today. But if you think about it, the Corinthian church who you know, God was writing this truth to, the Corinthian church, we know, was a land and a seaport. So it was very prosperous. It was very diverse because, you know, anybody doing any trade anywhere kind of passed through there by land or by sea. And every single false god imaginable was present in Corinth. It was a very polytheistic society. They had many gods. The god of Baal and Moloch and, and Ashtoreth. You know, and, and every single one of these false gods, you know, in this polytheistic society, every single one of these, one of the things that they had in common was that man was trying to appease whatever false god it was, you know, that they were given allegiance to. You know, it was man's job to somehow make God happy, you know, uh, to get God's attention, you know, to get God, their false god to, to interact with them. You know, um, whether you talk about Moloch, they would offer their children to Moloch. You think about uh, Elijah the prophet when he went up against the Baal, um, the prophets of Baal, and they were trying to, you know, see whose God is the true God. Remember what the Baal prophets did to get their God's attention? It says they cut themselves, they hurt themselves. God, you know, to see my devotion to you, trying to somehow get their false God's attention. And so in the midst of this culture, this polytheistic culture, where everybody's programmed to say, you've got to do something to get God's attention. You've got to do something 
to, to earn his favor. You got to make some great sacrifice or God isn't, isn't going to even acknowledge you. So now along comes the Christian message that the true God is by nature a saving God. The true God is a seeking God. The true God is a reconciling God. And all through Scripture, whether it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament, it bears testimony to the fact that God wants you. God wants us in his presence. Way back in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve fell into sin, suddenly you know, sin came upon their lives and, and shame came into their lives. And suddenly this, this fellowship, perfect fellowship with God was broken. Remember what they did? When God came down, he had normally had, you know, unfettered fellowship with them. Remember what Adam and Eve did when sin entered their lives? It said they hid themselves. They hid themselves. And if you look at that, very interesting. So when God came down to the garden, God is looking for them. And I think it's very interesting because God calls out, where are you? Okay, this is the God of the universe. This is the omnipresent, all-powerful God who says that everybody's, you know, the hair on our heads are numbered. You know, how many billion of people are there in the world, and God knows everything about them. And you don't think when there were just two people in the world that God knew where they were? God knew where they were. But our God is a pursuing God. Our God is a God who, who takes the initiative. You know, Adam and Eve's answer could have been, we are lost, that's where we are. We are lost. And so God takes an animal, and the first prophecy pointing to his son Jesus Christ and the sacrifice Christ would make of his own shed blood for our sins. God takes that animal and he slays them and blood is shed to make a covering for Adam and Eve. What a great picture of the, the reconciling power of God. And then when his son came to earth to fulfill that, that, that debt that needed to be paid, when he came to earth, he, he, it, all of his messages are just saturated with this truth that God is a reconciling God. Uh, in Luke chapter 15, matter of fact, he tells three parables, one right after another, to a large crowd. The first parable was the parable, of, not yet, not yet, go ahead, keep that down there. The first parable was the parable of the lost sheep. Remember what it was? That, you know, it talks about a shepherd who, you know, he's got a hundred sheep out there, but one of them goes missing. And so what does a shepherd do? He leaves the 99, and, and he searches Day and night, he searches for that one sheep. And, and this has been portrayed in art beautifully as that, that shepherd is carrying, you know, that sheep back to the flock. And it says in chapter 15, verses 6 and 7, it says, And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I tell you, that in the same way there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Our God is a pursuing God. Our God is a God who rejoices when a child opens their heart and comes to him. So he tells this first parable of the lost, and the very fact that he's going to tell three parables in a row, he's driving home a point. The second parable is about a woman who, who loses a coin. You know, she has 10 coins, and she loses the silver coin. It's a very valuable coin. It's worth about a, a day's wage, um, you know, in, in, in their terms, in their culture. 
And so she sweeps the house. She moves the furniture. She goes to great lengths. She doesn't just say, it's not like you and I when we drop a little change and we may not even bend over to pick it up today. You know, drop a couple of pennies, a dime, a quarter here. You know, what's the big deal? But for her, it was a big deal. She goes to all lengths to find this coin. And finally, in verse 10, it says, In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. When she finds that coin, she calls her neighbors. You know, she wants to throw a party because, you know, what was lost has been found. The final parable that he tells concerning lost things and how God initiates, pursues lost things is the parable of the prodigal son. And actually, there's two lost things there. There's two lost sons. There's the prodigal son who lives in blatant sin you know, in prostitution and gambling, and he, he's drinking his father's fortune away. And then there's the self-righteous son who was lost as well. And then he tells the parable that the, the son that was living in debauchery comes back in repentance and throws himself at his father. And his father is so excited for the son who has come back that he kills the fatted calf. He, he gets a, a robe and he places it on him. He, he, he lifts him up into his presence. That's the prodigal son. Unfortunately, the self-righteous son wanted nothing to do with it. So it's also about the brokenness of the father over a person who is self-righteous who does not see the need that he has in his life. And as you think about this, you know, you, you're just, your heart goes and you begin to understand God's heart, that he wants people to be saved. He wants that person at work to be saved. He wants that neighbor to be saved. He wants that family member to be saved. We need to start with that, that our God is a saving God. Our God is a reconciling God. Now again, I was thinking about this uh, in my office this past week and about you know, how their culture, the Corinthians, you know, that was so foreign to them. You know, that, that somehow God doesn't have to be appeased, that I don't have to make the sacrifice. I don't have to sacrifice my children to him to get his attention, that he sacrificed his son to get my attention, to reach me. And I thought about this, and, and I thought, you know what? How, how the pendulum has swung, how, you know, how Satan has moved it. Um, we, in our culture, we don't struggle like the Corinthians with understanding that by nature God is reconciling and wants us to be saved. We don't struggle with that. I think our society struggles with the danger of entitlement. The danger that, of course, God is going to save me. You know, well, of, of course, that no matter what I do, you know, God is a God of love. You know, God's not going to send anybody to hell. You know, I, I can do what I want. And we have this, this sense of entitlement. You know, that somehow, you know, it's our birthright, you know, here in America. You know, then in the end, God's going to say, oh, I'm just kidding, come on come up here. And, and so we somehow feel, you know, get a, the, the sense that we're entitled to this. God's truth is that he wants you to be saved. God's truth is that he wants you to be forgiven. He wants you to be healed. God and God alone brought the possibility of reconciliation into my life. God and God alone brought that possibility to you. He paid the price. He paid a price that we could not to remove our sin from our presence. And to receive this, we must accept Jesus into our hearts. Open our hearts to him as our Lord and as our Savior. 
those of us who do that, we will be saved. We will be reconciled to God. Those who do not do that will spend an eternity in hell, separated from God. And it is a personal decision that each and every one of us makes. The church cannot make that for you. Your ABF class, your small group, your Bible study, your husband, your wife, your family cannot make that decision for you. This is a decision between you and God to open up to what God has done to reconcile you to himself. Have you done that today? doesn't matter how long you've been in church. It doesn't matter if you've been raised in church. It doesn't matter if you've been raised in a Christian family. Everybody has to make that decision. There is a moment that you go from lost to being saved. You don't slowly grow into that. You go from darkness into light because of Jesus Christ. Can you think of a time that you've done that? I mean, genuinely. And, you know, and even if there was a time you say, well, I remember doing this, but, I mean, did it take, did it take root? Was it genuine at that moment? If it's not, today can be your day of salvation. What a great way to kick off missions month is for someone here to get saved, someone listening, to give their life to Jesus Christ, you know, to fulfill that mission of why we are here to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. First and foremost, reconciliation is God's will. There's a second thing real quickly I want to put before you. Um, reconciliation is God's will, and it is also our mission. It's our mission to get this message out. I've said this earlier. It says in verse 19, the last part, he says, not counting the trespasses against him, and he has committed to us, to us, he's committed the word of reconciliation. In other words, he's committed that message to us. He has committed to you and I, to, to you at home, he has committed that message, and the way it's going to get it out is through those who are his children. Verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. God, making an appeal to those around us. He's, he's using us. He's doing it through us. God has committed this message to his children, and we are living representatives of that truth. And so in a very real way, missions is not an optional ministry. You know, missions is in a situation where, you know, we, we announce here, hey, we need some volunteers to work in children's church. And you sit there, oh, is this something I want to do? Is this something I'm gifted to do? Yes, no, and, or, or we, you know, we need somebody to come and, you know, help, you know, fix something at the church. And sometimes you say yes, sometimes say no. That's not, this isn't an optional ministry. This is about obedience, this is all about obedience to, to reaching to the uttermost parts of the earth. The question isn't whether or not you are involved in missions, that I am involved in missions. The question is one of obedience or disobedience. Am I living obedient today or am I living in disobedience? You know, maybe for our culture, God shouldn't have given us, you know, the... the, the the great commandment, the great commission, he should have given us a mandate. We're good at mandates, you know. Let's put it this way. God has given you a personal mandate. 
He's given you a personal mandate. We jump through all sorts of hoops when our civil authority has given us mandates. Is this optional for us? You know, we have a world mandate to let other people know about Jesus Christ. And, and I love Missions Month because it brings this focus together of reaching the world and also challenging me to continue to be part of it. You know, and where God has planted me to be his hands. And we have so many opportunities this week. And, and I really ask you to pray. We, we prayed beforehand before we came in here. Hopefully, if you didn't have time to pray beforehand, that you have time before you leave to stop at these stations and pray for our missionaries. Um, but we're going to have so many opportunities, you know, to get plugged in to be involved in missions uh, this month. You know, and to, to help support those who are out there on the front lines in areas that we can't go to, but help them. And so when someone comes to know Christ, you know, and they give that message out, that's like us giving that message out. We are, we are part of that. You know, next week we talked about women at risk. Becky McDonald being here. We're going to have the opportunity in the jewelry party, you know, to, to, to help support. And, and I hope you can. The week after that, Jeremy and I Amy Roy are going to be here. Boy, if you haven't been getting their newsletter and following what God is doing in their ministry, it's exciting. I mean, since they have come back, before they left, you know, they have been for over a year trying to find a parcel of land where they can begin building a training institute. I mean, uh, Jeremy is involved in training the nationals in the Dominican Republic to go out and plant churches. So their ministry is a ministry not of addition, it's a ministry of multiplication to train one to go out and to reach many for Christ. And while they've been back, they have received word that they have now have a parcel of land to build this, this training institute. And I, I think they're going, they're going back in September. I think that might be a little earlier than they were planning to go back because of the doors that God has opened up to be able to do this. And, and we're going to get a chance to encourage them. We're going to get a chance to you know, kind of lift them up. Uh, Amy is going to be, she's seven months pregnant, and we're, we're having a baby shower for her. And uh, we have a, I, I think here, we have a list. No, that's a different one. Um, I, I think, and is it Amazon Prime? Someone help me with this computer. Okay, talk to Tina. She will tell you. I'm not going to explain any technology here and how we do it. <laughs> Uh, but, but talk to somebody on the missions committee. They know how to get, get it set up that you can get on. And I believe when you, <coughs> excuse me, when you, when you get one of the items or you have, you know, them mail it to you to be able to bring it in two weeks, then it kind of crosses that item off so they can get everything that they need. And I, I think it would just be wonderful. We have the means within the church to provide everything. I think my daughter looked at it and she thought that they're, you know, to do everything would be about $300 to be able to provide everything. And so, you know, together we can make a massive difference in their life and just encourage them. I mean, they're going to go over there. Who knows when they're going to be able to come back in the States again. So we're going to, that's our opportunity, you know, to, to, to be part of their ministry of reconciliation and by connection what they are doing, you know, that, that, that fruit is ours as well. On the 30th then, uh, the last Sunday of the month, um, we are going to be having, the PRC is going to be here during the ABF time. We're not having ABF next week that hour. We're, we're, we're kind of changing things up every single week, so we'll be announcing that. But on the 30th, the PRC is going to be uh, meeting with us. 
and we're excited for that. Gail Walsh, uh, the, the director of the PRC, is going to be here. Um, you have, a couple weeks ago, you were given one of these inserts, and right now on each of the, the different centers are the type of things that they need for their ministry. And so the PRC, very simple things, you know, that as, they, as women come in, one of the great things the PRC is to remove obstacles for them, you know, to have an abortion. And, you know, so to make it so that they can keep their child. And one of them is their, their great need, you know, the great poverty that many of these the women that come live in. And so they help them by, you know, providing things for the child. And, and the, the list is here of, of many of these things. And it, it's an ongoing list. So I would just love for us, uh, I, th I think we're going to, you know, when they're speaking, when they're done speaking, we're going to come up and we're going to present them, you know, with everything that we have co collected Man, I, I'd love for it to be a truckload full. I'd love for them to be able to say, we can't get in our car. You know, can, can somebody load it up? I'll have my truck available. We'll load it up and, and take it to the PRC. And, and that's the difference that we can make. Then after the ABF hour, we have the Safe Harbor House is going to be here, a ministry um, in Springfield. And they're going to be speaking. Um, she's going to be speaking, Amy, during the, the message time to us. And once again, you know, we have the list of the type of things that they need. And one unique thing about the, the Safe Harbor House, we know it's a ministry um, that women come to, and I believe they have to have two things going on in their lives, you know, like alcoholism, drug abuse, uh, you know, uh, being abused, some other things. It's not just one thing. These are severe cases of women that they're getting. And it's just so excited as the love of Christ is shown to them how their hearts melt and they open up their heart to Christ, and they come to know him as their Lord and Savior. But one of the unique things about this ministry, um, they, they struggle to advertise. Matter of fact, if you go to the Safe Harbor House, they don't even have a sign out there um, because of the harassment, the ha harassment that the ladies would receive from their boyfriends or from their husbands that they are fleeing or for some other type of an ab abusive situation that they have been in. So they got to kind of fly underneath the radar you know, and, and opportunities like this that are safe for them to be able to speak openly. You know, we're, we're, the, we're the ones, we're the situations to be able to provide for them. And they're just very simple things that they're asking for, you know, for the ministry, cleaning supplies, very simple things. You know, that every single one of us, if, if we could provide some, we could just flood them. You know, not just provide for the, the, a month or so, but provide for six months' worth. And uh, I'm excited to be involved. I'm excited to take this opportunity that God has given us. We're going to have a lot of opportunities during the Missions Month. And, and it doesn't even stop there. You know, one thing about Mission Month, sometimes it kind of comes along and we do so much and then we're kind of back, you know, uh, you know, to everything else. But we want this to continue. Coming out of Missions Month, the first Sunday in September, uh, we have nine people from our church that are going to Alaska to the Blairs and to be part of a short-term missions trip. If you'd like to help support them to go on. We're certainly going to need your prayer support during this time. But if you would help to be able to send them, you know, everybody there you know, is covering their own costs. The church isn't covering all of their costs. The missions does have a short-term missions budget. You know, they're giving some to help with the, the, the renting of vehicles and for food and that. But if you want to be part of it, uh, you can just very simply give as well towards that mission strip, and it'll take care of some of the needs that are out there. You know, we need prayer. You know, we need support. In another month, we're going to be focusing on the Samaritan Shoebox Ministry. 
Then coming out of that, we're going to be focusing on our faith promise for next year, 2021. And so a lot of opportunities for you to get involved in what the Lord is doing. And you may feel, wow, that's an awful lot. And you would be right. But this is, this is our focus. This should be our focus. This should be our sacrifice. I make great sacrifices and, and, and to help and to do for, for other things. This should be my greatest. The ministry of reconciliation. People coming to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. This is our mission. This is the reason that if you're a Christian that you're still here. And we can make a difference. We can be directly a part of something that is bigger than ourselves. Something that is eternal. So as we, we kind of move to communion, I want us to remember that Christ, God is a reconciling God. You know, in the, in the midst of the examining ourselves, in the midst of celebrating ourselves, let's, let's incorporate what God is calling us to do at this time, to be part of that ministry of reconciliation. 